at this point, elections are over. We have been dealing with a pandemic for over eight months. Schools have been open and operating in different ways and at different levels for about three months. So at this point, all of us are trying to fall into some sort of normalcy. We're trying to find uh, our new groove, so to speak, and we're trying to figure out what is next and how are we going to manage things moving forward. And it was great for me to be able to sit and have a conversation with Dr. Dave Murphy, who is the president of Effective Effort Consulting. He consults with families, students, and adults and he helps people with specific challenges who are struggling with time management and organization figure out the best ways to achieve the success that they look for particularly in school and so we had an amazing conversation in which we covered a bunch of different topics related to how are we managing school now what have we done so far what is working what should our focus be next and on this second part of the interview we focus more on what should our main focus be moving forward. We know that things are not going to be completely back to normal just yet. And even when they do gain some sense of normalcy, they might not look exactly the way they did in January or February of this year. So I invite you to listen in on the second part of our conversation where Dr. Murphy and I dive into what is the most important thing to focus on right now? What are some of the things that we could start implementing and looking at moving forward? to help ourselves and our kids feel more successful in this new environment and some of the things that we should be celebrating and even looking forward to. Is your family ready for whatever comes next? As we watch our realities transform almost overnight, parents, teachers, and significant adults wonder, are our kids really ready for this new world? How can we be sure they have all the tools they need? How can we inspire, encourage, and empower them to create secure futures in an uncertain world? How can we help them design better tomorrows? Those are the questions, and this podcast explores the answers. I'm Marcia Amaro, and welcome to Sincerely Speaking. That's one thing that, um, and don't get me wrong, I'm all for developing a growth mindset, but I think that that's where some of the misconception of what a growth Mm -hmm. mindset is, is taking place. Growth mindset doesn't mean pushing everybody to work on their weaknesses to the point where they get frustrated. It means look at the strings build those strengths and then use those strengths to compensate for some of the weaknesses and yes work on them but not to the point where you're just becoming frustrated because you have to be as good as or as skilled as somebody else Mm. or everybody else in a certain area and i think Mm. it's important to understand that each individual has their own area of strength and ability that supersedes others and it's important to hone those strengths to maximize them as much as possible yeah, it really is. I think you're, um, you know, when you take a, when you take a child that cares and you take a child that is conscientious and you take a child that, that notices what they're failing at, and then you start to um, help them, um, you know, organize their attention towards overcoming those struggles. And that, that's a different, that's the way to address growth mindset. It's to realize that failure is feedback, mm-hmm. you know, and you start talking about family values around that success in my family is not about is not about celebrating wins. I celebrate failure. My five year old he needs to come to me with ten things he failed at today. Why? Because I because I, I, I don't want anybody in my family thinking that failure is not a part of life. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But failure is feedback. And as you work with children and young teenagers and teenagers that, you know, when I'm confronted with an obstacle, I don't, it doesn't matter how I define it, you know, but it doesn't matter what type of obstacle, but it does matter how I define it. Like, well, how do I label this obstacle? Do I label it as a failure? Do I label it as an opportunity? Do I label it as a permanent setback or I'm dumb and I'm stupid and I can't do honors math because, because I have a C minus, mm-hmm. right? And those are all opportunities right now that just to help children recognize. And we, you know, there's, you know, there's, we call them automatic negative thoughts, right? There's like these ants, which, you know, that's kind of a, um, a term that's been used a lot in, uh, in, in, in articles in the past. So it's, it's a way of just kind of recognizing that there are excuses that can get in our way. Uh, what we want to do is recognize them and say, yeah, it is worth my time to overcome that. Why? Because I want honor roll. Why? Because I want to get a, you know, because I, I want to feel like a good student. That's cool. All right. That's, that's an admirable. It's not easier, but it's admirable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then you start to meet your kid where they are versus like you're saying chronic failure at a young age, you start to identify with that. And therefore it starts to form your identity. It starts to form your, your belief structure. No, no, you want, you really want to, no, you want to, you want to get away from that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's where parenting at this point is, uh, can be a little more complicated because teachers aren't in the home. They're not rolling up their sleeves, helping out. They don't know what's going on. Yeah. So uh, it does put a lot more pressure on the parent to recognize that and make Absolutely. tough decisions. But I think that's where the, the family connection matters. Having that communication matters. Having the, having the open dialogue matters. I think it's all that helps to allow those opportunities to, to manifest and work through. Yeah. And I love that you've mentioned the word opportunity several times. We are in a space of rare opportunity as parents mm. where we can take the reins and do some things that we didn't have the space to do before or we didn't take the space to do before. Right. Um, and we are now in a new position where we can just really hone in and look at, okay, where do we want to focus our attention? How do we want to support our kids so that they learn that an experience of quote unquote failing is not the end of the world. It's actually a stepping stone to learning. It's a stepping stone to something new. It's like you said, feedback that I can learn from. And we are really in a space of rare opportunity right now. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think um, we don't really know when this opportunity will end. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it's a, uh, but I think, you know, I, I think parents are um, trying to normalize right now. I think they're doing it many, you know, so many parents are doing great jobs. They're doing great work. Um, they are naturally realizing, um, you know, their need to get back to basics, right? To get back to um, the core values, like, you know, in certain families, you know, they're, they're unplugging the cable box and they're, you know, the kindergarten or the first grader, how it's, you know, now, now, now it's not, a, it's not a, about having a busy schedule. It's just about being bored, go read, go play, you know, those Legos that you used to play with, go dust them off. Right. And then you have just this, this quiet time in the night where people are transitioning into the evening and it's post dinner or something like that. And there's dialogue and, or there's a, common you know um you know a show that families are maybe watching together there's just there's just a recognition that we're all in this together and we're going to make the best of it and in doing that that's socially and emotionally that's extremely undervalued mm-hmm. and i don't want and i think um i think it's it's going to start to become more important as or, or clear 
just how important that is as we kind of reset you know norms okay so if you were going to if you were sitting down with some parents who are concerned about supporting their kids through this period um what do you think would be the two or three most important things that you would point them to look at and examine um well i think you would um I probably would start factoring in how many kids we're talking about in their age. Um, but I think for any student that is really at that middle school, high school, college, they now more than ever need to know the purpose of their academic journey. They have to know their purpose. And purpose, you know, the synonym to that is goals. Right? You don't need to talk about that. You don't need, you, you know, uh, you, at a young age, it's you know, it's delicate how you address it in terms of just age appropriate language, but talking about purpose, defining purpose, having parents lead by example, by, by writing down their own expectations for their kids, because in many ways, you know, the struggling, the struggling student can lean on a purpose-driven parent that has clearly defined written out expectations for their kids, because that becomes now buffers and bumpers that can help any child that might have dysregulation challenges and might not know exactly what their purpose is. They're gonna lean more on their parents, you know, for good and bad, but having that established creates again, either the foundation or fills the cracks. And I think, you know, if I wanted to help any parent that regardless where they are, regardless of their child's age, is set up that purpose. What is your purpose? Why are you a student right now? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because, you know, whatever it is, I want to get into college or I want to get, um, you know, I want to get straight A's or I want to get an honor roll or I want to be able to get into this class next year, whatever it is, you just mm-hmm. really define it because that is what's going to get them up every morning. That's what's yes. going to get them working through those problems, asking for help, advocating for their needs, going to their big sister to review their essay before they submit it, whatever it is. It's, unfa- it's unfair, Martha, it's unfair. Our children are not ready to be college students yet. You know, um, but because we're asking them to have, we're asking them to demonstrate college readiness skills at a young age, it's too young. But if parents can help, that's one way of helping them. And you lead by example. So parents talk about their purpose, talk about their goals. What are your goals as a student? And then you celebrate them, you post them up as a family, you let those goals and, 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 and you know, mission statements or purpose statements dictate conversations, dictate celebrations. Um, I talk about Thursday check-ins. If you wanna help your child, have a proactive check-in process. Don't look at their grades every day. Look well, at once a week and just check in, ask them a whole bunch of questions around their progress. How are you doing towards your goals? You know, any, what concerns are there? What problems are there? What are, your, you know, what are some solutions to those problems? Just engage in a really proactive dialogue, collaborative dialogue, and that's really powerful. Um, And I think that can be really affirming. And if you need to get more extreme, I'll start talking about daily check-ins, but make it proactive, make it it collaborative, make it helpful. And therefore your child doesn't feel like they're being alienated or picked on. You know, they feel like they have a, a partner that might be just creating opportunities to help them make sure they got all their work submitted, like, Doing the work's not hard. Submitting it is. Okay, so let's let's create that check-in after dinner or right before bed, whatever it is. 
Yeah. I often talk to parents about lending their kids their prefrontal cortex, right? There are things <laughs> that they might not be developmentally ready to do. Yeah. But if yeah. we can lend them a little bit of our organization or a little bit of our structure and help them, give them, um, I always talk about when you learn to drive and you have to keep your hands at 10 and two, that's just a formulaic way of teaching you how to get into that habit, right? Of being right. mindful and being focused. So if we can right. give them tools where they borrow a little bit of our prefrontal cortex, then eventually we can let them do it on their own. But sometimes they're just not developmentally ready for some things that we expect. And that's right. why I think all those conversations and the open dialogue that you mentioned become really, really important too. There's a couple of ha hacks that have been, that are worth sharing as well. One is um, um, using your phone for speech to text. Uh, it's one of the most underutilized strategies for students these days. And, I, and, and I'm on a kind of a mission to, to, to change that. Mm -hmm. But any child that's struggling with writing, they should be using some type of voice. It's, you can just open up a text message and use that. Or you can open up apps on your phone, open up a Google Doc, and you can speak a whole paragraph. And it's a really powerful strategy to manage the writing process. The other thing is... A lot of LMSs or learning management systems that districts are using have a access where you can grab um, the, the, um, the calendar from that platform and you can load it into you, you can load it into your personal calendar. So as a parent, if you wanted to monitor your child, not as a reactive not as a reactionary process, but as a proactive way of supporting their their task initiation and their whatever they're monitoring how they're doing you can do that and it'll sit on your calendar so every assignment that's coming up gets populated in your calendar so you have your own view of what your child should be working on and it's not so much to promote babysitting it's not so much to promote complaining and, and criticizing but to promote just a a way of creating a, a seamless dialogue around what is really going on and and what um, you have on your list of you know homework to do tonight and those yes. are really cool hacks that are worth um, parents should be doing if they feel like they need their child to benefit from more oversight or or if they're spending too much time on the writing process that is a um, that's a great tool that I think uh, most middle school and high school and college kids should be doing more often yeah, writing. And I think a lot of people don't even know that Google does have speech to text. So if you look for it, yeah. you'll find it and it's there. Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, I, yeah, I had a student try both. I had him try um, it on, on a Google Doc first on his laptop. Mm -hmm. And then I had him go onto his um, phone and do the same thing or for another exercise. Something about the phone, it's more intuitive and uh, its ability to accurately um, diagnose, you know, words correctly uh, seem to outplay whatever Google has on their desktops. Uh, so, because a lot of kids have Chromebooks and the Chromebooks uh, are great, but uh, sometimes you have to, the functionality, even, even MacBooks, you know, they have that dictation feature. It's awful. Yeah. It's the one thing about MacBooks that I do not like. So I would never recommend the functionality of the you hit function key twice and it's supposed to initiate that dictation um, tool. It's just awful. I would now I would say get your phone out and I'll teach you how to do it using your phone. It's far more user friendly. 
I want to sincerely thank you for joining in this conversation today. I know your time is precious and I don't take your sharing in this conversation with me lightly. There's a million other things you could be doing. So again, I want to thank you for being here with me today. I hope you have found great value, inspiration, and encouragement in our conversation today. And if you have, I invite you to share this podcast with someone else who you think might need that bit of inspiration today. I also want to invite you to head on over to marciamara.com where you will have access to tons of additional resources, including a free PDF copy of my Top Talks checklist, which walks you through step-by-step how to engage in those not-so-easy conversations with the people closest to you. I hope to chat again with you soon. Again, this is Marcia Amaro, and this has been Sincerely Speaking.